whether Thanksgiving is a Christian holy day or merely a national holiday. What's she going to do then? Well, that's what I've been sitting here contemplating. First, I'm going to deliver this case to Marcellus. Then, basically, I'm just going to walk the earth. What you mean, walk the earth? You know, like Kane in Kung Fu. Walk from place to place, meet people, get in adventures. And how long do you intend to walk the earth? Till God puts me where he wants me to be. And what if you don't do that? If it takes forever, then I'll walk forever. Welcome to Walk the Earth. I'm Greg. Picking up where I left off on the last Walk the Earth, late September, early October, looking at American holidays from the perspective of how does the church fit in? How does the church deal with it or celebrate? And I don't like the way I've worded this question. In particular, I don't like the word merely. I wanted to ask it in that kind of a way, though, just to kind of counteract my bias, because Thanksgiving might be my favorite national holiday. Now, it certainly isn't that from the perspective of the work that I've done historically in retail. There's a couple of things about my past experiences running a mall record store, for example, in that Thanksgiving was both a guaranteed difficult week to work and that I knew I was going to have to work extra hours all weekend long and that the the mall itself was going to be crazy busy. But if you, when you're in the record store side of the industry, and I think it was pretty similar in the bookstores as well, you don't get that huge Black Friday boost. It really has surprised me when moving from you know music retail to other forms of retail, just how big that particular Friday can be if you work in a place that has high-ticket items and generates a great deal of markdown and discount into your doorbuster program. More of the busiest days for the record store were those Saturdays in the month of December, the Saturday before Christmas, for example, as long as it wasn't Christmas Eve, was always a huge day. If that day was falling on the calendar five or six days ahead of Christmas, it would still, at least in the record store I worked at, do significantly more volume than Black Friday itself, meaning that Thanksgiving as a holiday weekend often meant a difficult work week for, perhaps in the store that I was running, a little bit less reward than I would see if I was working Saturdays the rest of the way between Thanksgiving and Christmas. No, the reason I've always had very strong feelings about Thanksgiving are family-based. Well, family, food, and football, I suppose. Church, though, hasn't necessarily been a place of focus for me when it comes to celebrating Thanksgiving. And that's why I've noticed a shift that I think has been worth talking about and maybe asking some questions about in just maybe the last decade or so, where perhaps part of Christianity is trying to claim Thanksgiving as some sort of a holy day, as if it were truly in every way a religious holiday. And I think the answer to the question today is going to be a little interesting, because Thanksgiving is both, on some level, a holy day, uh, to a smaller degree, where typical Thanksgiving celebrations and speeches are going to make references to God and to deity and to thanks thankfulness. But it wasn't established that way. It was established as a national celebration rather than a religious celebration. And therefore, the short and quick answer to the question is that Thanksgiving is a national holiday. I don't personally feel, though, that merely is an appropriate word to use to describe it. Because one of the things I resented most about working in newspapers was how difficult it was to get the necessary time off 
to participate in any real way in Thanksgiving celebrations, I felt like even if you were the newest person on the copy desk, for example, that there needed to be some way of making sure that you didn't have to do a Thanksgiving lunch at 10.30 or 11 in the morning in order to make sure that you were back and ready for a shift starting at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, treating Thanksgiving as if it was every other day of the week. Because from a news perspective, unless there's some sort of tragedy or some sort of unforeseen event, it's a relatively slow news day. And at least when I was working in retail, that was a day that you had completely off. A day in some ways to celebrate with friends and family, but in other ways of gearing up for what was to come on the rest of the weekend, starting with Black Friday. I'm going to ignore the football side of the equation for now. Inappropriate Conversations 38, going back to the very first year, took a look at my uh, brother and I and family traditions and things surrounding Thanksgiving and that episode making reference to what we in our family call the Thanksgiving paper football classic. So football for me, especially football in the context of Thanksgiving, did always mean some traditional games. The first college football game I can ever remember seeing was my watching Georgia versus Georgia Tech with my father, I think probably on the Saturday night of that Thanksgiving weekend years and years ago. Oklahoma, Nebraska, Michigan, Ohio State, those kinds of games were on television. But no, for us, Thanksgiving was about getting together, folding a piece of paper into a triangle and playing paper football. I could go into more detail. I could go into a staggeringly greater deal of detail. But I won't because Inappropriate Conversations 38 pretty much has that as its focus and its topic. No, food is the other element. And really, for me, there's nothing quite like the Thanksgiving meal. I think for most people, probably, uh, that kind of full turkey dinner might even be just an annual thing. I don't meet very many people who find that particular turkey and dressing and green bean kind of meal to be something that they look forward to on a monthly basis or even three, four times a year. But there's nothing quite like it for Thanksgiving. The focus instead, though, of the whole you know, football and, and food kind of angle, for me, is on how does the church deal with the question of Thanksgiving? So a couple things I want to deal with is, one, look at it from the perspective of the church calendar, and then look at it pers- from the perspective of a national holiday. And then I want to talk a little bit about how I manage thankfulness, because you can't have Thanksgiving as a holiday that you enjoy more than, say, Christmas, Halloween, Easter, Valentine's Day, all the others, and not have some perspective on being thankful. And I won't say that, with uh, without a doubt, Thanksgiving is my overall number one favorite, but my reasons for liking Memorial Day better than any other holiday are personal, have nothing really to do with Memorial Day as an event in and of itself. Whereas the things I like about Thanksgiving have a lot to do with Thanksgiving itself. But I grew up in the United Methodist Church. I've talked before on Walk the Earth. I've spent some time in Roman Catholic churches, and I currently go to a different denomination, part of Disciples of Christ. But for more years than any other, I was part of the United Methodist Church. And in United Methodism, there is a real focus on Advent. More, I think, emphasis on Advent than probably on Lent. Although inside my family, we've always kind of paid a lot of attention to both. But Advent, typically the first Sunday, the beginning of the process of preparing for and celebrating Christmas, is often, not always, but often the first Sunday after Thanksgiving. So you typically find in that Thanksgiving weekend, you move from a Thursday focus on that national holiday, followed by 
an almost immediate turnaround and Christmas has started. A lot of people in my cul-de-sac in the neighborhood that I live in have already put up their Christmas lights, but those who haven't, I suspect, will probably do it either on the weekend before Thanksgiving or the weekend after Thanksgiving. And that's partly because for people who regularly attend church, the Sunday after Thanksgiving is the first Sunday of Advent, the first of four Sundays preparing for Christmas. And I talked about that in more detail, actually, in a couple of episodes of Inappropriate Conversations last year. Now, all the episodes of Inappropriate Conversations and Walk the Earth can be found at the website at www.inappropriateconversations.org. There's only maybe the last 20 or so episodes that are available on the feeds at places like iTunes and Stitcher. You know, Inappropriate Conversations and Walk the Earth both do appear on Stitcher. The other place that I've got past episodes of Inappropriate Conversations and eventually Walk the Earth is on SoundCloud, where I've chosen to put up some clips and just advertise some of the history of the show. But I haven't gotten anywhere near last year yet. So my perspective on Advent and more of a detailed view of Christmas to kind of book in with the last Walk the Earth can be found actually on Inappropriate Conversations one year ago. The thing that I want to look at instead is what happens on the Sunday before. Because in the United Methodist tradition, you would have a, an ecumenical outreach, but ecumenical only to the sense that you're reaching out to other Protestant Christian churches. There may be some uh, areas, some you know, uh, conferences, if you will, where that outreach is even more than that. Maybe it goes out toward uh, Judaism or to Roman Catholicism as well. But in my experience, it's usually been a pairing of a couple of United Methodist churches or a couple of churches of different Protestant denominations, or in some cases, several churches banding together to host an additional worship service on Sunday night called a Thanksgiving service. And you would think that like a, a pastoral exchange kind of situation from a church-going perspective might be really interesting and exciting. When we lived in the uh, central part of the country, in a different city than the one that I live in now, we would do the occasional pastor swap kind of thing for an evening service. But we would uh, try to do that in a way that was going to be a little bit more compelling than just uh, switching somebody with a, a very similar educational background, a very similar ethnic background, now, my favorite was once when we swapped with one of the black Methodist congregations from a different side of town, and you got a very different form of music, a different form of worship, and that was very impactful. But unfortunately, what I tend to see around Thanksgiving worship services or these community-focused services is a watering down. It's as if the number one priority is making sure that anything that made one denomination, like the Nazarene Church or the Baptist Church, unique versus the other, those were sanded down as if they were rough edges, and you ended up with the most bland worship service you can imagine. And I have attended several of these, even perhaps read scripture or, or helped sing in some of them. And I can tell you that I find them to be almost disheartening. So a moment that ought to be a great celebration of Christians coming together across denominational divides can sometimes end up being the opposite and almost get boiled down to what I refer to from time to time as civic and ceremonial religion. Now, I'm a person of faith, and I take the word faith seriously. To me, it is not just wearing the team colors and cheering on your team. It's not that definition of faith. To me, even if I didn't have a church to attend, even if I found myself in a, with all my options being you know, somewhat limited and you know, worshiping on a consistent basis with denominations that didn't really share 
enough of my core values, I would still have a strong personal faith. But civic and ceremonial religion is a different thing. It is far more like cheering on your favorite team. It's wearing the colors. It's it's a who we are statement. I guess the way I would word it is uh, Os Ganes from one of my favorite theology books, uh, Fit Bodies, Fat Minds, When Evangelicals Don't Think and What to Do About It. He described the merger of the current emphasis on style within culture and society and the impact that's had on what he would call the Christian mind or the evangelical mind as that difference between the subtle difference between saying, here is something that I believe in or something that I care about. And instead of it being, instead of it being the statement, I like this, it morphs into the statement, I'm like this. Branding, in other words. And I find that this notion of civic and ceremonial Christianity is that. It's more to do with branding. It's more to do with being part of the cool club and not a true expression of faith or even a statement of belief, which I find to be somewhat slightly lesser concept than faith itself. And we see a lot of angry Christians these days. You don't have to spend much time on Facebook without seeing a lot of vitriol and anger. And I think that's because it's the response you get from people who think they are part of the cool club when the cool club doesn't quite have the membership strength that it once did. And that's kind of where we're at. So what was already, at the very best, a bland sort of a indifferent thing, this civic and ceremonial religion, perhaps is becoming that mixed in with a lot of reactionary sort of anger. And that anger, in many ways, is very unseemly. How do I deal with Thanksgiving? I deal with Thanksgiving with something I'm going to call willful positivity. And I may come back to the concept and spend more time on it later in the in the show. But when I talk about being willfully positive, one of the things that it means is that there really isn't any great payoff in being the first one to assign blame. That the principle, in other words, is that I try to see people from the most positive angle I can. That I don't want to assign the worst atten- intentions automatically to somebody. Whether I view that somebody as friend or foe or somebody I don't know. And to me, this this jump to assign blame that we see so often in the media, and so often in what I'll call the conservative media, and therefore in the minds of many people, the Christian media. Because for a lot of people, America is a conservative country and therefore a Christian country, and those two ideas get blended together in, frankly, an unseemly way. But in a lot of times in that politically active Christianity, you see a jump to assign blame. I was uh, getting home from a farewell party for a friend of mine who's leaving the place I work and moving on to a different job opportunity elsewhere on Friday night of this past week. And by the time I got home, it had already become a very big news item that uh, the bombs had had gone off in Paris. And in many ways, trying to avoid the network news, because I don't have much, I don't put much stock in TV news. And TV news at its worst is TV news when there is no information. When something has happened, and television is still one of the most immediate forms of media, and everyone flocks to television, especially the 24 news, 24 hours news cycle type TV shows, they don't have any information. So what you find in some cases is baseless speculation. That's actually not the worst thing. The worst thing what you find is filling the time with nothing but blame. But to me, having to apologize for jumping into the assignment of blame too soon and getting it wrong is inexcusable. 
because it rebels against my baseline concept of trying not to presume the worst intentions from people, or at least trying not to be the first to do so. And that's why I think things get kind of interesting, because the history of Thanksgiving is not exactly what you might think that it would be. So let me take just a couple of minutes before I get back to how I celebrate and and my view of thankfulness and why, to me, my personal celebration probably does blend and blur the line between holy day and holiday. Because over time, Thanksgiving has gone from something where we've ascribed certain things to it historically, which probably aren't exactly true, and probably most people would be surprised that even the way we celebrate Thanksgiving is not as old as we think it is. For example, this notion that in the United States, the fourth Thursday in uh, the month of November has always been the traditional celebration of Thanksgiving, not true. That's only been true since about the early 1940s. It doesn't go back anywhere near the 1700s. But, you know, the other issue is that original Thanksgiving certainly didn't happen at the end of November. So to tie the concepts of the last two Walk the Earths together, I said in the previous episode, it didn't really bother me if I was celebrating Jesus's birthday slash nativity on December 25th, even if I were to find out that we have some evidence that says that it was a different day. We don't really believe that Jesus was born on December 25th in the year zero, for example, uh, zero AD. And Easter, also, there are some questions as to whether that's fixed on the right side of the celebration of the Jewish Passover. It doesn't really matter to me. And Thanksgiving is the same. Odds are, from the historical perspective, is that Thanksgiving was the real, that event in, say, 1621 or whatever, was probably very late September, early October at the latest. But we still, you know, we pick a day and we celebrate. I was in a discussion about some of the controversy over Christmas. We're already seeing some of the Merry Christmas versus Happy Holidays nonsense, in my opinion, flare up. And I chimed in to make the statement that, you know, to me, the word holiday just means holy day. And frankly, if you're a Christian, you might have cause to believe that every single day is a holy day. There's a cliched statement, but it's got a kernel of truth to it that says, every day that I wake up and I'm able to put both feet on the floor is a is a holy day. It's a day that I should be thankful for. Because in sports terminology, we're all listed day to day. There's no guarantee you're getting in the game tomorrow. So, yeah, that's a fair point. But somebody who I don't think read my intentions, who I think stood on the happy holidays or this is all BS, why are we arguing about it side of the spectrum, didn't realize I was on her side and sort of made a big deal about why then do Christians all insist on December 25th and why does the day matter and you, you, you should find out the real day and we should celebrate this thing in June if that's what it is. And I just said, listen, what I meant was I don't care what day it is. But it's sometimes nice to be able to get everyone together at the same time to have a day like a birthday celebration. doesn't matter to me whether my birthday is scheduled on the actual day I was born. Um, So if we just pick a day in the calendar and say, hey, all of your friends are going to be able to come and get together on that day. I would rather celebrate my birthday with all my friends and family three weeks away from what the actual date on the birth certificate says than to be alone in my house on the right day. The day part actually doesn't matter. And of course, most people who understand the history of Christmas understand that for early Roman emperors to be aligning the celebration of their newfound religion, Christianity, with 
an existing Saturnalia event where, you know, in a society where sometimes people work six days a week or even seven days a week, a day off, a national day off was a, a rarity for the Roman Empire. Therefore, if you wanted to celebrate something that was viewed as a very important day, a holy day, if you will, for Christianity as a religion, why not put it on a day where the maximum possible number of people can participate? But interestingly, with Thanksgiving, this choice of what day to, to honor this event, almost totally random. Here's a little bit of the history from Wikipedia. Thanksgiving Day is a holiday celebrated in the United States on the fourth Thursday in November. It has been celebrated as a federal holiday every year since 1863, when, during the Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln proclaimed a national day of, quote, Thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father, who dwelleth in the heavens. So when I talk about this thing being a bit of a blur, right, there's a quote from Abraham Lincoln. So a few things to note. This is not a holiday that started in an uninterrupted stream from George Washington on. And it also, despite being a national holiday, a bank holiday, if you will, to use the European expression, has typically, going all the way back to at least Lincoln, been a day where there's been quite a bit of reference to divine providence or God himself in the context of celebrating the event. Now, this event that Americans commonly call the first Thanksgiving was celebrated by the pilgrims after their first harvest in the New World in 1861. The feast lasted three days and was attended by 90 Native Americans. This according to Edward, Edward Winslow and 53 pilgrims. So this notion of there being this uh, first fruits of the harvest, meaning that the original Thanksgiving probably wasn't a Thanksgiving celebration in the sense of truly being all about thanking God for the blessings we've received. It was almost a harvest festival. Now, Lincoln himself didn't really come up with the idea and shouldn't be credited for it. He was prompted, according to Wikipedia, by a series of editorials written by Sarah Josepha Hale, who, which proclaimed that a national Thanksgiving holiday should be celebrated on the final Thursday, which Lincoln decreed for 1863. Now, jumping forward in the history a little bit, Abraham Lincoln's successors followed his example of annually declaring the final Thursday in November to be Thanksgiving. But in 1939, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt broke with this tradition. November had five Thursdays that year instead of the more common four. And Roosevelt declared the fourth Thursday as Thanksgiving rather than the fifth. Now, some popular histories state other things, but he, it was clear that he made a plan to permanently put the holiday on the next to the last Thursday of the month, meaning that if Roosevelt had had his way, that there would have been some years where uh, Thanksgiving was celebrated on the third Thursday and not on the fourth Thursday. This all comes, apparently, from conversations that Roosevelt had with Fred Lazarus Jr., the founder of the Federated Department Stores, later to be known as Macy's. Lazarus is credited with convincing Roosevelt to push Thanksgiving to a week earlier in order to expand the holiday shopping season. And within two years, that change was passed through Congress into law. Now, it wasn't passed without a great deal of controversy, and I'll talk about that controversy just a little bit, controversy and compromise. But it's interesting, the role that retail has played in Thanksgiving, because this is not necessarily the point where you put a pin on the calendar and say that was the beginning of Black Friday. But Macy's certainly did a lot to bring about what we call Black Friday today. The notion of the New York City parade on Thanksgiving, bringing people into uh, the inner city 
And then the notion of having stores open on the Friday after, or at the very least the Saturday after, and moving the holiday forward, at least in some years, as far as possible to put more days into the holiday shopping season. That's an interesting question. When I was working in retail stores and forecasting sales for one particular location, the store that I was managing, I often had to tell people, especially new managers that I was training, that you needed to understand the pattern of a holiday selling season. Again, as I mentioned at the beginning, this was especially true for me, where most of my sales would come late in the season. I wasn't in the part of retail, the sector of retail, where Black Friday was almost everything. And you could almost tell in the first, you know, by the first of December whether you were going to have a successful Christmas or not in music retail. And again, to some degree in the bookstores. You were doing you know, 80% of your business for the total year in the months of November and December, and maybe if you stretch that out to the, uh, to the long New Year's Day weekend, a, a ton of your overall revenue would happen during that time. But how much business you did on any given day of the week, in December, for example, had a lot to do with the overall sales pattern of the holiday. And the earlier Thanksgiving fell, the slower that curve was to ramp up. And the later Thanksgiving fell, then the more likely you were to be hit very hard and with very fast numbers, so to speak. Uh, A lot of business and a lot of traffic early in December. All coming down to this idea of how many shopping days are there between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So this created a controversy. Republicans reacting to FDR moving Thanksgiving from always being pinned as the last Thursday in November to the next to the last Thursday in November, decried the change. They called it an affront to the memory of Lincoln, quoting Wikipedia. People began referring to November 30th as Republican Thanksgiving and November 23rd as Democratic Thanksgiving or Franksgiving, making uh, note of the first name of President Roosevelt. Regardless of the politics, many localities had made the change to celebrating it on um, that different Thursday. And so you ended up with ultimately a compromise where instead of it always being the next to the last Thursday, which is probably what the retail stores wanted and certainly what Roosevelt had proposed, to the fourth Thursday, whether that fourth Thursday be the last or the next to the last. I cover this brief piece of history just to you know bring out a couple of points. First, Again, like the last walk of the earth, there are no magic days. There is no actual scriptural or religious significance here. The, the calendar can't be used as a pilgrimage toward Thanksgiving Day, like perhaps it can for Holy Week and Easter Sunday. I already, I've already established that Christmas is completely arbitrary, having very little to do with anything that you find in Scripture. It's, a, it's just a day picked out of convenience. But Thanksgiving doesn't even pretend to be a scriptural day in any way whatsoever. Even as recently as, say, 70 years ago, we were arguing about where to put it on the calendar. That's the other thing that I find interesting, though, is that you end up during World War II. So we're coming out of the Great Depression, worried about war, going into war. And we've got Republicans and Democrats in Congress fighting with each other and doing so through the vehicle of whatever national media was in play at the time arguing over which day in the month of November Thanksgiving was going to be celebrated. I think sometimes we view, and I'm one of those people, who view our standard of politics as being so much lower than it's ever been before, and frankly the quality of our media as well. 
But I think it's probably helpful to remember by looking back on things like this, that even in what might have been one of the greatest challenges our country has ever faced, certainly when it comes to a, a wartime challenge, we still had time to play politics over the dates of holidays and argue about it. You'll see it still. I mean, every year we get to January, and there'll be a lot of political snarkiness over Martin Luther King Day. And that's why I don't put any stock whatsoever on this distinction that some people insist on making between whether to say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. And to me, it's all just really, really silly. The most important thing is using a day like Thanksgiving to get together with family, or if you're lucky, friends and family. And if you put together the combination of friends, family, food, and football, you've really got something to celebrate. So it occurred to me while I was thinking through this question of Thanksgiving and how we celebrate Thanksgiving and the significance of it, that I probably approach things in a very different way. Now, if we were to talk to my immediate family, the people that I grew up with, and maybe my wife and kids even, they might be quick to point out that this notion I've got of willful positivity doesn't necessarily, uh, it's not necessarily something you can find me consistently practicing at home on a regular basis. But I will tell you that I believe I can be accused of practicing it pretty consistently at church and at work, trying to make sure that I'm seeing people in the best possible light, that I'm not assuming the worst intentions, or at least I'm not the first or the quickest to assume the worst intentions from people. And to be honest with you, it's a lot easier to be thankful when you do it that way. Because so often we find ourselves either in conflict or uh, wrestling with negative feelings toward a situation or even an, an individual. And at the heart of it is that we are sometimes way too quick to assume the worst. If I get home on a what turns out to be a huge news day and find Facebook posts immediately accusing President Obama of being some sort of a conspiratorial force behind the bombs that went off in Paris, you know that, first off, you're dealing with people whose hatred of the current sitting U.S. president has long since reached a level of irrationality to make it questionable whether it's due the respect of even reading it. Certainly, probably not due the respect of talking about it. But even in that context, to be the first to jump to that conclusion seems bizarrely irrational. Or to be obsessed with the quality of the way the news is reported in the media and how often the news media gets it wrong, but at the same time have nothing but a lot of hateful and dismissive rhetoric to use toward American journalism when they don't have the facts right away and therefore refuse to engage in negative conjecture. I guess that'd be the way I would word it. So let me bring this together by making a comparison. A comparison between the bland, let's make sure we don't offend anybody, but by all means go through the motions and say all the magic words, kinds of Thanksgiving, you know, worship service rituals that you see in churches. And one of the things that I'm glad that I've moved away from by switching denominations. Let me compare that to some words that were shared in a worship service in the church that I go to now, yeah, right around a year ago. And how it ties into this concept that I've been calling willful positivity. The idea that was shared with the church by the pastor was this notion of unconditional positive regard. I'm going to call this an idea that is filled with grace. A real way of not compromising on the value of other people, regardless of who they are or what they do. Let me say that again. Not compromising on the value of other people, regardless of how they behave. 
regardless of what they look like, regardless of what they do. When you approach the world with an unconditional positive regard, it's a little bit easier to have what Jesus would have described in Matthew's gospel as a loving heart toward the least of these. It is a little bit easier to behave not like the priest or the Levite in the parable of the Good Samaritan, but to actually behave like that Samaritan. It's a little bit easier as the father in the parable of the prodigal son to be forgiving, even of a son who has been monumentally disrespectful, because you do not assume that a son uh, acting out and squandering his inheritance is therefore taking a pot shot at you and being disrespectful toward you. It's enough to say that an unconditional positive regard would find a way of viewing that as perhaps um, ignorance, foolishness, or merely youth, and therefore make it much easier for you as the father in that story to find your way to be the one running down the road to meet the son who is lost, as opposed to being the elder son in that story, uh, scowling, resentful, and angry that this punk would have the audacity to even come back here. So I want to ask us on this Thanksgiving to try on this willful positivity, to look at things from this notion of unconditional positive regard, and to see if maybe that is the place where even if somebody was completely non-believing, atheist, agnostic, uh, hurt by the church and left the church, resentful of even the question being asked, there is a place where we can meet in the middle. Because you do not have to be particularly religious to have a positive regard toward other people, to use willpower if necessary, to take that step of saying, you know, I'm not going to assume that when somebody cuts me off on the highway, that they're intending to slight me. They may just be unaware. They may be dealing with something that I'm unaware of myself. They may just be in a hurry. They may just be a bad driver, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're holding me in some sort of negative regard. And I'm not going to let that creep into my worldview because I'm going to maintain as long as I possibly can anyway, an unconditional positive regard. So let me share another quote. May have been for that exact same worship service. I'm not sure, but I remember when it happened. I wrote it down and then I tweeted it because I thought it was really one of the more impressive things I've heard when it comes to saying, how do you make the turn toward genuine thankfulness instead of merely burying yourself in tradition and putting on a show? And the quote is this, innovation is not so much about doing something new as leaving something old. Now, both things are probably true. And it's it would be easy to cite examples where innovation was, Greg, actually nothing more than doing something completely new and different that had never been done before. But grant me this, sometimes the most innovative thing you can possibly do is leaving something behind, something that has become shallow, stale, and you know potentially worthless. Something that, to refer to uh, the way John in the book of Revelations at the end of the Bible describes Jesus, in the words Jesus uses for one church in particular, lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, something that Jesus uh, threatens to spit out of his mouth. Maybe it's time that we walked away from some of this civil and ceremonial religion, the show of being Christian because Christian's the cool thing to be. And I'm not saying leave it because Christianity is no longer cool. I'm saying that there are some things we do where we're going through the motions. And if we want faith to be genuine, maybe one of the first things we can do to make it genuine 
is to stop holding others in some sort of you know, paranoid suspicion that if somebody crosses the road and happens to see that you're wearing something festive, wishes you a happy holiday, and therefore, because they've randomly chosen the wrong words, they've become your enemy, rather than somebody you're willing to hold an unconditional positive regard. And if we can do that, we won't just have a better, more meaningful, more truly holy Sunday before Thanksgiving this year. We'll actually hit the Advent season as Christians in the proper stride and maybe begin to interact with the world in a way that seems less hostile and more genuinely thankful. If and as you are led, please join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, I know that a lot of the things that that mean the most to me personally this time of year aren't necessarily religious. Thank you, Lord, for coming as you did, as a person, as one of us, somebody who would share a drink and share a laugh and not hesitate to rub elbows with all people from all walks of life, the kind of person who didn't force the notion of being fully qualified or good enough in order to be called. So, Jesus, I I know I'm that person. I was likely to be found watching a football game on the Friday and Saturday after Thanksgiving, as I am to be doing something far more holy. But, Lord, as the opportunities present themselves for me to interact with others, help me, especially going into an election season, to think through this, this notion of being willfully positive. Help me to be slow to anger, as you have called us to do. Help me to think of others first, as you have called us to do. And help me to remember the blessings that I've received, not just because the calendar or the U.S. Congress says that there's a day coming up where I'm supposed to be thankful, but because it flows freely and naturally and authentically out of our relationship, yours and mine, and the relationship we have together with all you put in my path. In your holy name I pray. Amen. What happened this morning, man, I agree, it was peculiar. But water into wine, I... All shapes and sizes, Vincent. You shouldn't talk to me that way, man. If my answers frighten you, Vincent, then you should cease asking scary questions. Next on Walk the Earth, 
whether reconciling Christmas with its inherent deceptions is necessary. Thanks for listening.